0: Welcome to Crossroads, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and Christian living. Crossroads is part of the media ministry at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. Get to know us by visiting us online at FAPC.org.
1: Hi, I'm Jamie Staley, Director of Christian Education at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Welcome to Crossroads podcast. I'm here today with our William S. Perper, Director of Music and Fine Arts Ministry. Very good. That was long. Uh, Dr. Ryan Jackson.
2: I think it's maybe the longest title in the history of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, for sure. Maybe in the world. (laughs) In (laughs) the the world. The longest title in the
1: world. I, I confess I did have to write it down, so I would not get it wrong. Um, I'm really excited uh, to be sitting here with Ryan today chatting. Uh, our music department has a concert coming up on Friday, February 10th, yeah. um, and that concert is titled To the Hands. And so uh, I'm excited to be meeting with Ryan. We, we don't often get a glimpse into the concert before it happens uh, and kind of what it's all about. So that is uh, what we're going to be chatting about today. So uh, welcome, Ryan. Thanks for joining me.
2: Thank you for having me. I was just telling you before, the, <laughs> before we started the microphone. I'm not that experienced with podcasts. I'm really excited to to be here and experience experience it for myself.
1: Well, wonderful. You'll have to listen to this podcast after we're done, right? After we
2: Give me a good idea of what they're all about. Exactly,
1: exactly. So uh, tell us just, let's start off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this concert that's coming up?
2: Yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, For those of you who came to our concert in October, um, that one was called In the Beginning, Songs of Creation. And when I was conceiving of this year's concert series, I sort of thought it might be interesting to have a sort of a two-part concert Hmm. that was in two pieces. And so the October concert focused, um, as you can gather from the title, on music that was about um, creation and the environment and nature. Um, And that was such a wonderful event. We all had an amazing time with it. Um, And then I thought a neat counterpart to that would be to do a concert more focused on human relationships and the human aspects of, you know, human relationships and things like that. And Hmm. so the other goal I had with these concerts was to draw on a wider repertoire than what we would normally choose from and so we've included like some pop music yeah yeah acapella arrangements of of pop music we have um one of the singers actually a few of the singers in the choir are jazz singers but Mm -hmm. um one in particular his name's rich saunders is this really happening like social media indie pop vocalist who's like has a huge following on on tiktok and youtube and all, all over the place um and he and his uh musical collaborator is called Son of Cloud. And so they're sort of like really into the indie music scene in Brooklyn. Mm. And so I thought, wouldn't it be fun to to draw on their world and include that in our, in our choir concert? And so um, Rich sang some music at the concert in October and he and Son of Cloud are both collaborating together on a couple of covers to sing oh, in cool. this new one. Yeah, I just sort of felt like with um, these concerts about creation and about humanity and all that, the the wider the, the pool of, you know, musical colors we can draw on to express those themes, I thought mm. that that would be a really interesting thing to do. And, you know, one of the special things about the Fifth Avenue Choir, I feel, is their ability to really embody extremely different kinds of music, mm. you know. So in worship every Sunday, we sing a really wide variety of music, you know, everything from... Medieval chant that was written, you know, in the 1300s or even earlier, all the way through, um, you know, the Renaissance polyphony of the 1500s, and then all the way to stuff that was written, you know, in New York City, in the past few weeks. You know, mm-hmm. so we sing an extremely wide variety. Um, but in this case, to sort of draw on, um, I guess, what would be traditionally considered like more secular musical styles to sort of round out the the sound of the program. Um, I think it's, you know, an exciting, an exciting opportunity for us to really push out the boat in terms of stylistic, um, like being stylistically adventurous. Mm. Mm. So, so this, this program, Songs of Compassion to the Hands, um, is sort of shaping out to be actually kind of focused on, uh, issues around human migration and immigration mm. and, the reason uh, that's happening is because the main piece on the program is this amazing fairly new piece by uh, a woman named Caroline Shaw um, who won the Pulitzer Prize a few years ago for musical composition and uh, she wrote this amazing piece called To the Hands Um, it was commissioned by a professional choir in Philadelphia a few years ago called The Crossing Mm. Um, and it was premiered by them there Um, and they were, the composers, they commissioned, I forget how many composers, was six or eight or something, six, seven or eight, and they were asked to musically respond to this old piece by um, a German composer called um, Dietrich Buxtehude. Wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I, I could go into a separate story about Buxtehude. <laughs> Buxtehude was an amazing, was also an amazing composer okay. in like the early German Baroque who was a mentor to Bach. Oh. Bach actually walked a couple hundred miles from his home to, to study with Bookstuda and then walked back. Oh, wow. Yeah, and almost got fired <laughs> because he left, for, he left his job for three months rather than three weeks or something. I love that you uh, know these it's a, it's a great story. Anyway, <laughs> anyway Buxtehude is a big deal for people in the know about, um, about early music. And so he wrote this amazing several-part cantata. Um, and all these composers, and it was about hands and all these composers were asked to respond. Mm. And so one of the texts in that piece is, um, sort of reflecting on the wounds in Christ's hands when he was crucified. Mm. And what Caroline did with the text is sort of turn it around and, and reflect on the wounds in our own hands, basically as a society, specifically around the issues of, of, um, Migration and immigration, and sort of you know people who are finding themselves lost and displaced mm-hmm. and um, without without proper shelter and without homes and all this, and how as long as there are people in the world who are experiencing that and living that way it's it's a wound in all of our hands, and so mm-hmm. she reinterprets you know the specific wounds in christ's hands from the crucifixion, she reinterprets that to sort of be more about um, the wounds in all our hands mm-hmm. um. Because of this, you know, this situation of displaced mm. peoples. That
1: sounds really interesting. Oh, so what can you tell us uh, about the composers?
2: So, so I was just talking about Caroline. She and I actually went to Yale together, and um, she sang in the choir at the church that I worked at while I was uh, well I was an organ scholar at Yale, and that was at Christ Church in, in New Haven. We got to know each other a little bit during our time together. Uh, we didn't know each other super well. But um, I remember really fondly, you know, our times, like after choir rehearsals and things, the choir would go out for drinks and things. I got to know her a little bit. And she's cool. she's always been a really interesting person um, with really interesting ideas about music. And uh, she's super talented. She's an amazing string player as well mm. as, a, as an ensemble vocalist and actually a soloist. She's done a lot of really incredible things uh, now. Um, So I was really excited to do this piece by her. I really feel like um, she's one of those people that we'll be hearing from. You know, when you think about, like, who's our modern Bach or Mozart Mm -hmm. or Beethoven or something like that, I really feel like Caroline is one of those composers that's going to last. And she's Mm -hmm. sort of setting um, a sound world for our modern classical music Mm -hmm. scene, I think. And um, so I'm really excited to see what happens with her and um, like I said, I really am very excited to be taking on this to the hands with our string ensemble and the choir. One of the other pieces we're singing is by this amazing uh, young woman composer that I also went to Yale with. And her name's Jessica <laughs> French. Yeah, sort of a recurring theme here. Um, and she wrote this beautiful piece called Strength and for Service. Um, that's also for strings and choir. And so it's going to be the opening piece on the... Um, Program And the text of that reads, um, strengthen for service, for service, O Lord, hands that holy things um, have taken. And so, it, again, it ties back into the themes of service and hands and, yes. and, and, and all of that. Um, and then there's this amazing new art song by a composer called Gilda Lyons who lives in, in Brooklyn and one of our sopranos is singing this song and it's called hold on and yep, it's uh, again yeah dealing with the <laughs> hands and um and this is more of like a a personal sense of holding on when things are really when things are really difficult in life and you sort of hold on to whatever you can um and so i think that ties in really beautifully and you know we use our hands for many things we use our hands for helping and holding and mm-hmm. um and also holding on you know in in hard times and so um, I sort of love how that that play on, on that idea has all come together in this program. Another composer on the program is my good friend uh, Danny Ficari, who is the uh, associate organist up at St. John the Divine. Okay. And uh, Danny is a recent graduate of the Juilliard School, and he's been writing some really wonderful choir music and organ music, mm-hmm. and um, he wrote this beautiful piece called The Peace of God. Um, for a prayer vigil service up at the cathedral after, um, a few years ago, someone, uh, was murdered in the neighborhood of the Mm -hmm. cathedral and the cathedral hosted a prayer vigil shortly Mm -hmm. afterwards. And he was moved to write this beautiful, um, sort of musical meditation that, um, we're going to include in this program. It's very powerful. And then, uh, the great American composer, Stephen Paulus is also making an appearance on this, on this program with his, uh, really famous, piece called him to the eternal flame, Mm -hmm. which is all about basically the, um, how everything of the world and of each other is contained and embodied within each one of us. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the is every, um, every breath is in you, every voice, every cry, every, all the, you know, experiences of a life are, are fully, um, felt and embodied in each one of us um and then we're revisiting uh Godspell which those of you went Woo! to who went to the um October concert know we did a um one of our tenors sang a bang up performance of uh All Good Gifts that was sort of stole <laughs> the show it was really awesome um but one of our other baritones is going to sing the really beautiful um song called Beautiful City mm, actually yeah it's it's really wonderful and again it's about working together using our hands to build a community you know that won't ever be perfect probably but that we're all working in the direction of doing the best we can and yeah. I love the message of that and then we're um ending with a really really cool um arrangement of bridge over troubled water it's mm-hmm. sort of like gospel and and a lot of fun and uh we get to rock out on that a little bit and leave people on a on a familiar and and high note that's fun and yeah, and and so it's it's a really 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 cool program. I I truly feel, you know, it's it, people say this all the time when they're inviting people to concerts like there's something for everyone, mm. but I really feel like there is on this program something for everyone and furthermore things that you won't expect. You know, like there you'll ha- definitely like you'll go in there if you're a Simon and Garfunkel fan and you're like, "Yeah, I can't wait to hear that mm-hmm. that, you know, cover of Bridge Over Troubled Water." But what I, I know this happens because I talk to people afterwards, things surprise people. Mm. you know you'll be sitting there in, in the concert and be like, "Oh wow, you oh, know I'm and sure. I know like like some of these things are, are going to to uh, catch people off guard in, and in a really good way and and surprise people about what they you know get out of the concert and take away from it. Mm. Something that I love, like even though we're doing a lot of new music on this program, you know, like most of the choral music that we're singing has been written within the last two years or so. And um, I think people get nervous about new music, you know, because (laughs) I think they're like, "Uh, it has a reputation for being weird weird or inaccessible. (laughs) And um, what I love about all of this music is even though it's new, these composers have an amazing way of making fresh music out of sort of familiar sounds. Mm. So there's nothing on this program that is just like, what was that? You know, like <laughs> that was, that was weird. And and I'm definitely not saying there's not a place in the world for that. Mm. You know, experimental music can be really, really cool and it's important. And there are people for whom that's their like <laughs> major passion. And yeah. I think that's really, really cool. Um, but that's that's not the case in this particular program we don't have mm. anything on the program that's like not that's difficult to listen to I would say mm, it's okay. all very like accessible and immediately powerful and moving mm. which I think um, is a testament to the skill of all these composers that they're able to sort of push the boundaries of like the sound worlds we're used to hearing choirs sing in yeah. you know with the very traditional harmony and and all that and they're able to sort of broaden broaden the the palette of colors for the choir without making it you know overly overly difficult to listen to okay.
1: so can you tell us a little bit about like your your artistic process when you're coming up with a program you know this mm-hmm. one or, or any of them I know you know when i'm when I'm coming up with things I have a set way that I typically do it and then I kind of plug things in how how do you Plan a program.
2: In, well, you know, it, it, it's actually kind of different every time I, I come to it, you know, when I sit down to plan the concert series, which of course has to be conceived as a whole thing because yeah. you have to, you have to think out, we have four concerts a year. We have a fall concert, the Christmas concerts, a winter concert, and then the Lent concerts. Mm-hmm. And so I try to think big picture first and sort of like look at the the trajectory of the whole year and then usually what I find is like one or two significant pieces mm-hmm. have really grabbed my attention. Mm-hmm. And I then figure out how to build an interesting program around those. So they're, they're like the main course of the program. Yeah. So, for example, in October at our In the Beginning Songs of Creation concert, the piece I really, really wanted to do was um, In the Beginning by Aaron Copeland, mm-hmm. who's an amazing, you know, historic um, American composer. And uh, I just think that's one of the most amazing pieces of American choral music. So I wanted to do that. And then obviously the theme of that is creation. You mm-hmm. know, it's the first, um, it's the beginning of Genesis. And so the creation story. And then I wanted to sort of figure out, and then my, my imagination starts to go. I'm like, well, how can I make this relevant now? You know, because mm-hmm. like, like if you, if you read into it, of course, there's all the like multi- um, what is it multifaceted ways of reading the text of course so you can read mm-hmm. it very mystically and spiritually or you can read like very literally yeah. um and so I wanted to sort of play with that a little bit mm-hmm. with the pieces as the other music that I chose around it mm-hmm. and so i I sort of took on you know what's on so many of our minds these days is like the the climate situation and you know concerns for the environment and and caring for nature and all of that. And so I tried to make it more, more immediately relevant in mm-hmm. that way. And so I surrounded it with music about, about nature and the environment, and um, but also with hints of, like, the fact that this is a spiritual creation that we're yeah. talking about here, you know, and, and sort of playing around with that. For the concert that's coming up in February, it was To the Hands. That was my inspiration. You know, I'd heard this piece by Caroline and, like, we have to do that. The, you know, our choir will sound amazing doing that, and it's so timely with what's going on in the world right now. Mm. You know, migration, especially here in America, is so it's so on our minds—human mm-hmm. migration and displacement and and all of that. And so, um, I just felt like it was really a really relevant thing. And then I sort of um, built up the program around it to support it. Mm-hmm. And so that happens a lot for me, where I find that um, one sort of piece will be my inspiration to build a program around it. Okay. And then, as I say, considering the whole season as a, you know, to make sure that we're sort of doing a, a wide variety of music on a wide variety of subjects.
1: So that means that you already have the Lenten one planned out? Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All yeah, right.
2: yeah. The Lent concert, I'm also extremely <laughs> excited about. So that's going to be on, uh, what is it? March March 31st and April 1st. All right. It's at the, um, it's the weekend before uh, Good Friday. And uh, I'm very excited about that. We're doing one of my all-time favorite choral pieces uh, with orchestra, which is the Duraflé Requiem, which mm. I think is possibly the greatest choir piece ever written. And I don't <laughs> say that like light, lightly. It's, it's really, <laughs> really a fabulous piece of music. And just, it's transcendent. I mean, I don't think there's any more. I truly don't think there's a better choral piece out there. Mm. Um, so I'm excited. And we're pairing that with an amazing piece by... Um, a composer called Ruth Watson Henderson who's Canadian and she's uh she's in her 90s now um mm. and she she was actually this amazing pioneering force you know like in the um late 20th century like the 80s 90s and early 2000s mm. uh Ruth was writing really amazing choral music in a field you know that's long been dominated by mostly men yeah. um composition you know of classical music has long been dominated by men and she was writing, not only was she just like a presence on the field, she was writing really, really great music and sort of also pushing, you know, the boundaries of, of the the choral instrument at that time and like really pushing like what choirs were capable of mm. at, that, at that point. Um, so I'm a huge, huge fan of her music and we're doing this amazing piece by her called From Darkness to Light which was commissioned actually as a partner piece to go with the Durafle Requiem. So it has the exact same orchestration and everything, um, which is, it's it's a beautiful instrumentation. It's with strings. So we're gonna have a little orchestra with strings and two trumpets, a harp and um, timpani and organ. So it's a nice big sound in the chapel. And um, yeah, so that's gonna be an amazing program. It's just those two pieces, they're they're both substantial. The Requiem is about 40 minutes and then Ruth's piece is about 25. So it's a full program just with those two two pieces.
1: I love when you use the word pairing, which I'm sure is a very technical term, but I also feel like we should also include like what wine pairing it goes with,
2: you know? You like, uh, can never go wrong with a good old cabaret. Right? You know? <laughs> like,
1: with all of your pieces in the, in the program, can you also include which wine yeah, and cheese, which wine and cheese should be paired with this piece? I feel like that's I a way. I love that.
2: We should actually right? consider that as a, yeah, maybe that should be like our, our new, you know, Thing to draw people to the you know, it's <laughs> yes. concert with with a wine pairing. Yes,
1: <laughs> <The> <laughs> special have menu a new, and
2: have a new wine served for each piece. I think that would be that might be that's a not bit. a bad idea. Oh, I mean, you've come that. up with something. Woo! Yes, yes, You're revolutionizing the the, concert <laughs> the concerts. Scene. It's amazing.
1: So, what um, in particular this upcoming concert? What do you hope that people are going to experience? Take away from this experience, or, or what kind of experience are you hoping to provide? And and
2: so that's a really good question and I think you know when I'm when I'm thinking of anything that we're doing you know choir is such a weird thing when you think about it in modern terms you know the the world the way it is we're we're constantly bombarded with with sound and and distractions of all sorts all the time you know our phones are always pinging and here in New York City we're bombarded with traffic noise and and all these things all the time and making Choral music is like this extremely quiet, vulnerable undertaking in comparison to the life we were to the things we're normally exposed to, like the constant bombardment of advertising and all that stuff is so aggressive. Mm. And choral music is the most acoustic and natural thing in the world, you know, like it's the human voice and it's just so simple and yet. It, it's capable of so many different colors and and things. So, with 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 concerts and with worship services, when the choir sings, it's always my goal to offer people an alternative experience to the day to day that we're that we're all sort of subjected to in in our modern reality, our modern experience. Um, these concerts, I really try to make an oasis of. It might sound corny or something, but an oasis of calm and beauty, I think, Mm. you know, which we're, I think we're pretty short on that in our, in our day to day, in our day to day life, especially, you know, in these big cities, it's just, it's not easy living here. And, um, and people, I think need that invitation into a quiet place where you, you just come here and you're ministered to, and you're drawn into something Mm. rather than something being forced onto you. Mm. You know, so much of our culture is about being entertained, like something put at you or on you. And the choral experience an experience in our chapel and with the choir, ideally, I like it to be an experience that that causes you invites you into it. We invite you into this special, quiet Mm. world that is definitely not only quiet. You know, like we also there's plenty of excitement and loud bursts (laughs) as well but there's a, it's different it's something it surrounds you rather than hits comes you, at you. Yeah. yeah yeah and so so for people who come to our concerts i want them to to feel renewed and inspired and you know quieted and centered all those things i want it to be like a an introspective moment of have to have something of like a meditative quality to it you know and as I say it's not just quiet and slow you know like that's not what I'm saying it's not like you come here and, and just like doze off for an hour or whatever that's not really we're not I don't want to offer like a pretty nap you know it's not that it's not that it's very active but it's it's invitatory it invites you into a sound world into a in an into a a conscious space that we you share with the choir. Mm. Like these are fellow human beings using their voices to create sound acoustically. There's no electronics, mm. um, you know? So we're vibrating the air and like, and we're channeling this music that's been written by other human beings that's come out of other people's spirits. And we're, the only way you can experience music is, is in real time together, you know? And so um, whether it's a worship service or a concert, we try to create that sort of like, special moment that we all share together in that space and it might be loud it might be quiet but it's always in this sort of space of now Mm. that's the only place that you can enjoy music um and i think that that's something that makes music especially powerful for people it's Mm -hmm. an especially powerful spiritual medium Mm -hmm. because you can only experience it now and it's sort of by by virtue of its very nature a lot of people find music is the thing that draws them into the present moment more effectively than anything else. Mm. You know, like if you're not an experienced meditator, Mm -hmm. the idea of sitting down and like with a quiet mind is like almost like unimaginable.
0: Yeah.
2: Whereas if you sit down and something musically grabs you, your mind automatically has to become quiet in order to experience what's happening. Mm. You can't experience music like this if your mind is constantly chattering, yeah, you know, and so it just like it, it helps the discursive mind sort of quiet down. And people find it very, they find these concerts very moving and very spiritual experiences. And mm. and um, I really don't think there's a difference between what we offer in a concert and what we offer in worship in terms of intention. Mm. We I, I find our concerts to be very worshipful experiences, and I know having talked having having spoken to so many people after our concerts that that's definitely a common experience mm. that people have when they come and so yeah that would be my long-winded way of, of explaining um <laughs> what i hope people take away from our concerts i want them to be spiritually nourished and and renewed and quieted and centered mm. and yeah
1: well, that's a great transition for my next question which was really gonna move into worship because i think um so many folks at home don't necessarily see, you know, how we plan worship each week. Um, uh, so, how how is it that you, um, moving from concert to worship, how how do you choose the music uh, for for the worship services that happen?
2: That's a that's a great question, and it's it's. I would say that that's my passion, actually. Like in <laughs> in my work, my favorite thing to do is the uh, is the service planning. Mm. I get a real kick out of it, and um, I always find it really inspiring. Basically, what happens is, um, whatever minister I'm working with, whichever pastor is preaching, Mm -hmm. um, which here, of course, very often is Scott, he'll prepare a sermon series and Mm -hmm. send me, you know, eight weeks of sermon titles and scripture readings and sometimes little notes, little Mm -hmm. reflections, things about the text that stand out to him. Um, And I basically sit with them and um, I have this weird, this weird ability that I've had since I was a child where I don't really forget lyrics Hmm. I have this strange encyclopedic memory for lyrics I feel
1: like that's a good thing for it's very useful
2: (laughs) it's very useful and it's like one of my I actually have a terrible memory most in most respects I'm not I I actually don't remember things very well but the one thing I really never forget is if is is the piece of music the lyrics to it it just sticks in my brain so I'll sit with a text and sit with the sermon title and the and any notes that I have and just basically think of of all the pieces I know that either speak, like hit the nail on the head and literally sing that text, Mm -hmm. you know, of course that happens every so often. But then also I I try to read more deeply into the text Mm -hmm. so that I'm getting like a a larger idea of theme, Mm. you know, because there are only several major themes, I would say, you know, (laughs) that that we sort of, the, the texts speak to. And so then I start thinking more broadly about what, music what pieces might support
0: mm. you
2: know in a, in a less direct way but sort of support the broader theme and then i'll sort of come up with a collection of pieces and i'll also start looking into you know i have various resources to find new choral music as well mm. that, that i don't already know and so sometimes i can do a search on on texts or on themes and try and find e- new music if yeah. nothing is immediately sticking out to me from our current repertoire um, and then so I get this list together and same thing with hymns. I'll go through the hymn book and, and find hymns that I feel support the, the, the text of the day and the theme and all of that. Um, and then I have to consider the way that each musical element interacts with the other parts of the service. Mm. All right. And so these are things that most people wouldn't think of consciously, but would notice subconsciously that there's either like cohesion or it's just it feels disjointed to Mm -hmm. them and that's things like key relationships um Mm -hmm. and uh time signature relationships and um just overall feeling like you know unless you're going for strong contrast and things you often want music things that are musically Mm -hmm. um supportive in some way and with key relationships that aren't jarring Mm -hmm. you don't want to go people who know anything about music like you don't want Unless you're doing it for a specific effect, you probably don't want like a sung response in C major that immediately goes into something, you know, a half step away or a tritone away or something. It, mm. You want things to be related so that they they sound harmonious to people. Even if people don't know consciously, like, ooh, like, why did he pick that that response? It's a tritone away. That's hideous. <laughs> you know, like people might not know that, but they'll feel it, mm-hmm. that there's, there's a lack of harmony in in the selections and so so that's sort of the last step that I I I look for complementary musical elements in the service so that they're all you know the hymns and the anthems and the sung responses and then the organ pieces at the beginning and the end all work together musically and thematically to sort of support the the um the message of the service and also the dramatic arc of a worship service Mm. you know we sort of I know, like for example, our anthem is usually a moment to sort of do that drawing in thing that I was talking to you about earlier where we're preparing people for the reading of the scripture and then the sermon. Um, And then whereas the offertory tends to have to be a little bit more robust because there's actually activity going on in the sanctuary, they're passing the plates and all, mm. and all that. And so if you're doing this quiet little a cappella piece up there, it's just going to get lost. Mm. So, it, so our offertories tend to be more robust pieces, often with organ accompaniment, uh, mm. to sort of make them more, you know, have a bit more presence while there's movement going on yeah. in the service.
1: Wow, that is all really interesting. Um, and I think I'm sure that people don't necessarily uh, think of all those things um, uh, when they're sitting at home watching it. Or in the sanctuary. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. It just sort of happens. And, and like I said, there's a lot to it that's subconscious probably for a lot of people if they don't have musical training or whatever. And I think for that reason, a lot of people think maybe it's beyond them or mm. that it's like, I don't know, you know, but but even without musical training or, um, you know, sort of advanced musical understanding, rest assured, like even with none, like none of that, Conscious knowledge of mm-hmm. that, you're still experiencing fully the musical offerings of a service or a concert, you know. And and like I said, it, it's a feeling within you. If you, if a service has been really well planned, you just feel it was a great service. And you mm-hmm. might not be able to articulate, "Oh, I just love that modulation that Patrick did," you know, <laughs> from the anthem into the offer into the doxology or whatever. You know, like you might not be able to put the words on it, but you'll know that you've had a had a um a cohesive experience, Mm. you know, and that it it all, and you leave feeling like, oh, that was a great cohesive experience. Yeah. Great thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that it's accessible to anyone that's interested in, in coming, you know,
2: absolutely. You know, and I think I just love, you know, I really do believe that the, the, the choir is for everybody and, and the things we do, we, we really do try to, you know, meet meet everyone where they are because there's there's especially in a place like New York. You know, we have such mm. diversity of background and um, experience and exposure to to what you would call art music, classical music, mm. or whatever. Um, and so we really try to to reach people where they are, and we do we do arrangements of of um, you know familiar hymns and things so that people can can identify immediately with that and then we also do push the boat out and try to do you know music that's a bit more um advanced in terms of you know listening that to, you know that people might consider a little more challenging to listen to yeah and I think that's good and just because you find something challenging to listen to doesn't mean like oh I didn't get it yeah I hear that all the time you know if you go or it's the same if you to if you like go to a modern art thing or something yes. you know and be like I didn't get it it's like what well, you did you hmm. did. Like, even if you say you didn't get it, like, you're not getting it is your experience of it. <laughs>
0: huh, and, you know,
2: in so many things in life, you have to be patient and come back. Yeah. And I love that about art music is mm. that it, it, it invites you to hear it more than once. Hmm. You know, so much of our popular music, as wonderful as it is, is not really designed to be around forever. Yeah. It's sort of, it's like disposable. It's yeah. like, it, it has its moment where it's a big hit, it's played constantly, and then it's gone. You yeah. never hear of it again. Whereas art music is, is is meant and written with layers of 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 um of meaning that you can sort of come back to again and again and go deeper and deeper each time, mm. you know. And the longer you spend with with some of this music, like the more rewarding it is. And so, yeah, yeah it's true. With a great with a great piece of music like that, the first time you hear it, you might be like, oh, I don't really understand what that's about. But it 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 encourages you to come back and try again and mm. try again. And each time, you know. It rewards you more and more and more with your the more attention you're able to give it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, oh, it's my pleasure. Today, Absolutely, Ryan. my pleasure. Um, so the great news for everybody at home uh, is if you're listening to this before February 10th, uh, the tickets are on sale right now. They are at fapc.org backslash tickets and that is for um both the in-person and also we'll be live streaming this concert yeah. so for those of you who are not in the new york area we'd love to have you join us i know that my mom is probably going to be joining us ryan, yeah we would love that <laughs> <laughs> uh. we appreciate you <laughs> so uh, again thanks ryan and we hope everyone will be able to join us um for the upcoming concert songs of compassion to the hands
2: yes looking forward to it thanks jamie thanks it's been great
0: Thank you for listening to Crossroads. Our managing editor is Jamie Staley and our editors are Vashina Brisbane and Emily Dombroff.